Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the five-day vendor master file cleanup. Do you trust the data in your vendor master file? Well, if you have less than 5,000 active vendor records and need to prepare for a vendor self-registration portal or for 1099 and 1042 IRS annual forms distribution, you are in luck. We have vendor validations, including watch list screening, duplicate vendor review, vendor inactivation recommendations, and more. Go to DebraRRichardson.com, that's D-E-B-R-A-R-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.com slash consulting, or email me at Debra, D-E-B-R-A, at Debra rrichardson.com for a quote today. Are you and your vendor team getting ready for 2020? Well, I have four questions that you should ask of your vendor setup and maintenance process for the new year. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 59, four questions to ask of your vendor setup and maintenance process for 2020. In just over a month, we will be in 2020. Now, while we'll all like to take a moment to figure out how 2020 got here so fast, it's a great time to reflect on our processes to determine if they can use some updates to protect our companies, our team members, and ourselves from falling victim to fraud in the new year. So the first question that you wanna ask is, have you secured your vendor master file? So, Least privilege access should be followed at all times. That means that you only give access to those team members that add or update vendor records. Everyone else, they only need view access and that's for search purposes because you may have team members outside of AP or even within AP that need to find vendors in your ERP and that's fine. And why is it fine? It's because in addition to having view only access, you are also going to mask the vendor's birth date. And yes, depending on the country and um, US IRS tax rules, you may need to collect the birth date of an individual. Um, So you're gonna mask the vendor's birth date so folks that have view only access can't see it. And then you're also going to mask 
all except the last four or five digits of the tax ID, meaning the social security number or the uh, EIN, the employer identification number. And then you're also gonna mask the bank account. And in addition to that, just remove the routing number from view. And I understand that the routing number um, in itself is not sensitive information, but it's not something that the other employees or team members can use anyway. And it's just preferable not to be able to put two and two together. So if a cyber criminal, for whatever reason, happened to get um, uh, access to a bank account, but they don't know the bank, well, now any unsuspecting untrained team member has access to divulge that information. And that is something that I witnessed occurring, not in vendor maintenance, but in payroll. And it was actually a high level C-suite um, leadership employee where the cyber criminals contacted payroll um, multiple times and each time was able to get a different piece of information and piece that together. And the next thing you know, the C-suite level management person reported that they had not received their payroll in the last few pay runs. And so it was uh, through some research, it was determined that payroll was being sent. It was just being sent to a different bank account. Now, if you would like some more detail on securing your vendor master file, you can check out the Putting the AP in Happy podcast episode 14 on more details of how to work with IT to achieve this goal. Okay, so the second question that you need to ask of your vendor maintenance process in 2020 is, are you authenticating vendor or internal inquiries? What if you could eliminate that phone call to the vendor to confirm requests received to update their banking, their addresses, etc.? So we all know that everybody's making a phone call. And um, if you've followed my podcast or read my blogs, you know that I do not think that that is enough. I recommend that you also authenticate the original request because that may preclude you reaching out to the vendor at all. And what do I mean by that? So I mean that once you review that email request for obvious signs of fraud, including misspellings, email domain spoofing, etc., if it passes those tests, then reply to the email and request at least two pieces of identifying information such as a PO number. Number, um, and the last four digits of the vendor's tax ID on record, two pieces of information, at least two, that are not included on the same document. Like you don't want any information that's included on the invoice because a cyber criminal could have gotten uh, a hold of the invoice. So you don't want to ask for the PO number and the invoice number. They could both be on the invoice. So ask for two pieces of identification that are not on the invoice or not on the PO. And then if the you do not receive a response, then you saved an unnecessary phone call and also avoided a potential fraud. Now, if you don't want to reply to emails, um, because I do know that in some cases, the phishing itself um, are mass emails that are sent out and the fraud 
fraudsters or cyber criminals don't bother with them unless they're replied to. Now, my contention is that they won't have the information so they won't reply to your reply. But if you don't wanna do that, you can also build authentication into your vendor forms. And how do you do that? Well, add a section on the form for the vendor to input their current bank account in addition to the new bank account. Some vendors I know are large organizations. However, whether large or small, vendors should be able to identify which bank account payments are being deposited to. In addition, bank statements are part of record retention requirements. So if you receive a lot of vendor pushback asking for their existing bank account that you are currently making payments to or that your last payment to them were made to, then you're most likely not dealing with the right vendor team member to uh, to provide that information. And you should ask for a team member that deals with accounts receivable or treasury. I'm just saying, don't let them say, well, I don't have it be a valid reason um, that you don't authenticate using a current bank account. Now you can also use the last, um, to authenticate, you can use the last three deposits with the deposit dates and amounts. But in order to get that information, you may need to go to their accounts receivable or treasury team member anyway. Now, the third question you should ask of your vendor setup and maintenance process for 2020 is, should you increase your vendor validations? Now, currently most vendor teams are aware and they are doing it. They collect the IRS form W-9 and they validate the legal name, tax ID combination with IRS records at the time of vendor setup. Now, I also recommend that the same validations be done when any request is received to update the vendor record, especially if that change affects any of the information on the IRS Form W-9. You need to collect a new one and then recheck against IRS records. But the same goes for address validations, bank account validations, and government watch list validations. Now, if you need a list of all recommended vendor validations along with resource links, I will put a link to my vendor validation reference list with resource links and I will put that in the show notes. Now on this list are resource links for early warning and GAIAC and the question you should be asking is do I also need to add bank account owner validations which are available through early warning or their reseller GAIAC systems. So in addition to validating the vendor at setup, validating the vendor when there's a change um, that needs to be made to their vendor record, there is also the case for continuous monitoring. Now this can be a, a process that is done outside of accounts payable vendor maintenance by, for example, a risk team that is involved in preventing risk for the organization or by a data governance team that is managing data across an organization. But if not, periodically or throughout the year, monthly, quarterly, biannually, 
do those bulk 10 matches to verify that the vendor information has not changed. And if you use 10check.com or similar validation services, at the same time, you can also check against OFAC and other watch lists to ensure that the vendors have not been added to these lists since setup or since the last time you've made an update. Now, this process can be a bit easier if you also do it in conjunction with your vendor inactivation process. Okay, so we're up to the fourth and last question that you should ask of your vendor setup and maintenance process in 2020. And that is, are your procedures documented and are your team members following it? So let's say that you've implemented authentication, validation, and management processes. You've put them into place to ensure that the vendor master file contains real vendors, has accurate data, and also prevents fraudulent payments. Yes, that is the right thing to do. But how can you ensure that your team members are following the process? Well, the first way is to document it. Not only will documenting your process provide a resource for existing and then also for your new employee training, but it can also provide a basis to create an audit. So if you don't already have an audit in place, create procedures, document what the team should be doing, and then add it to ensure that team members are following the process. Add an audit. It can be a monthly audit, a quarterly audit. Um, uh, the audit team can pull, you know, five, ten percent of the vendor setup uh, changes or ads that the team has made and verify that the processes put into place are being followed. This can also be tied to performance. And I will say, if any of the team members have opposition to steps in your that you've added to your process, that may not come out until they are affected by an audit. So it is not only a way to verify that the processes are being followed, but it is also a way to enable that communication between the team members that are supposed to follow it and management that put those into place and to identify any issues that the team members are having with following those processes. Now to help you get started with documenting, I do have a template for a desktop procedure and I will actually link to a blog post um, called Get Your Vendor Setup and Maintenance Desktop Procedures in Order and within that blog post you can download a template uh, desktop procedure. So it's in Word format so you can use it and use it as a starting point to start documenting or updating your procedure. So one thing is if you are unable to add an audit and the places I've been where we've added an audit, there, it's been an internal audit and then also an external audit. But if you're not able to add either or the audit will only take place once a year, then I recommend you add management review of changes to the vendor master file on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, depending on what works for your business process and your volume of vendors. 
Now for more information on what management should look for, check out my blog, Segregation of Duties in the Accounts Payable Vendor Maintenance Cycle for SMBs. It also does have a podcast, episode 43. So those were the four, and you may be wondering, well, what about um, the 1099 NEC? What about CCPA? Well, in next week's blog post and podcast, I will look at regulatory changes affecting the vendor master file in 2020. So look for that in episode 60 that will be published on Thursday, December 5th. Okay, so make sure you check with leadership and or audit to make sure you are following your unique company and industry requirements before you make any changes. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 59th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.